On the program today, we have Len Lacefield and Hal Brock with Southern Plains Medical Group. Uh, Len, thanks for coming in today. Yeah, good morning, it. George. Thank you. You bet, to Hal. Good Lynn, to have you on the show. Thanks, George, for having me. Len just usually just drags me around, so I yeah. figured I would sneak in and say <laughs> hello to everybody. Yeah. One admission for two, right? There, yes. All right. So, okay, so we kind of wanted to have you guys on and give us a little uh, health care update from, uh, from your perspective. And I know uh, a lot has happened uh, over the course of the last year or so. And uh, I guess uh, let's start with what everybody likes to start with in COVID. And, of course, there's that new uh, Omicron variant that uh, is uh, now starting to spread a- across the country. So uh, how's it been for you, for Southern Plains? And uh, what's your I- idea about this this new, new variant? Well, you know, um, George, about a year ago, a year and a half ago, almost two years ago now, when the original strain came through, we, we pivoted and built our own PCR lab. We signed 17, uh, 75 contracts. Uh, yeah, PCR is the microbiology testing for ah. pure COVID uh, versus the quick tests. Mm-hmm. The quick tests are, are less accurate than a true um, a PCR or microbi- microbiology test of it. We had 75 accounts for nursing homes. We did some testing for Grady and our own surgery center as well, um, primarily because the government was mandating testing prior to any hospitalization, t- prior to any surgeries. They just wanted to make sure that they that uh, we as a healthcare provider did as much as we could to minimize that. And we went through the year, and uh, I think, uh, as I shared earlier, I think we did over 50,000 um, tests so far. It, it kind of ebb and flowed now. It, it, it reduces a little. But then when media talks about the new variant, everybody needs tested. You know, they're all racing and get tested. Um, we are deploying in some of our other counties, five counties that we're in now, uh, tabletop testing just for quicker results and trend analysis. So COVID is uh, continues to be an, an interesting anomaly. After the spike of testing and as many people who kind of slowed down and, and um, uh, weren't tested, we had to deal with policies and procedures and how do we, how do we invite patients into the environment and we mask and take temperatures and things like that. So that's ongoing. Um, we are seeing a little bit uh, of, a, of an increase, probably because of the interest in the newly uh, arriving uh, variant, uh, Omicron. And uh, well, let's just see how that goes. I think everyone's aware at this point. But, you know, uh, we have to move forward with, uh, with vigilance and being aware of it. But we certainly can't be as distracted as we have been in 2020. Right. Uh, what about uh, vaccinations, Hal? What, do you have some numbers there? Or are you seeing uh, the booster shots and all that going on? And you know, there for a long while, Grady County was actually one of the least vaccinated uh, counties in the state of Oklahoma out of the 77. Uh, that's definitely increased. Uh, the county health department has done a wonderful job. They actually did mine. Uh, we were one of the first facilities uh, that Grady County Health Department did. So it was back last year, last last January, last February. So we were pretty early on. It's definitely starting to move. We've seen a lot of momentum the last couple of months. Our uh, gastroenterologist, Dr. Larry Bookman, actually does a weekly podcast for News 9, Channel News 9 up in the city. And he was talking about the new variant yesterday, Omicron. And, you know, interestingly enough, we're still seeing about 99% uh, is still the Delta variant. Um, So the Omicron, we're still learning about it. And, um, you know, we're sending all of our positives up up to the state laboratory so they can run that separation and and determine which variant that is but definitely something to keep an eye on 
Uh, but the vaccination rates definitely increased in Grady County over the last couple of months, and we hope to continue to see that. We hold vaccine clinics every Friday right here at Southern Plains Medical Center at 2222 West Iowa Avenue in Chickasha. So if you are in need and haven't had that, uh, you can definitely schedule that. Just give us a call and we'll get you in. So we've got to have an appointment to get the, get the booster? We are, doing, vaccination. we are doing it by appointment uh, for Fridays, uh, you know, but uh, if you call, that we can definitely uh, see what we can do about different days and stuff. Friday is just convenient to hold that clinic. Um, more people are able to get away from the office or get away from kids or something like that on a mm-hmm. Friday and come up. And so that's why we've been holding that vaccine clinic on Friday so far. But, you know, we can always make concessions. Let's talk about uh, the Paul's Valley Hospital and because uh, that was a big, uh, big event for you. Uh, has it been... Just this last year? Has it been two years already since April 28th this year? We opened up the hospital, and uh, we have uh, all services being rendered in Paul's Valley, excluding surgery, and we look to open up surgery in Paul's Valley Hospital sometime in the first quarter of next year. um, It's moving along as to be expected. We're very pleased with that. Credentialing and uh, contracting with providers, that's always after you get your state license, kind of the Kind of the uh, the 800-pound gorilla in the room. You're just wondering when that foot's going to drop, and then you can kind of reach your stride. Uh, we're doing quite well there, and uh, we're pleased to continue to to service the uh, Garvin County and surrounding areas. Everyone seems to be very supportive, very excited about it. Uh, we still operate an outpatient urgent care and a family medicine practice there, Dr. Jones and Dr. Moore. Um, Dr. Jarvis is in our urgent care. So between the ER and our outpatient clinics, we – we we take um, we take excellent care at the time of need and the point of need of, of Garvin County residents. It's just right there in the the one facility at the hospital. The hospital facility there, and then down the street in um, Midtown is the Valley Family Clinic, and then up the street from the hospital is our urgent care. And uh, talk about the hospital a little bit. Have you had to do any remodeling or anything? And, um, about eight million dollars. Wow. Yeah, that wow. was that was a three year uh, labor of love. We restored it from uh, from uh, the basement under the foundation through the roof line, all um, uh, mechanicals. And in a hospital, the criteria and the level of performance is, um, is, is uh, something that is a challenge. So you consider medical gases, nurse call lights in every room in 73 rooms. We did license it for 43 rooms and we're looking for other alternative cares to provide uh, in that market. But, uh, yeah, it turned out to be uh, very impressive. The community leaders, community owners, and just the um, those who knew the hospital prior to Southern Plains are very pleased. And uh, that's, that's what we continue to try to do, George. It's It's been, you know, nearly 106 years plus, 106 and a half. And I think Southern Plains' culture and heart is we just want to be that their hometown medical team and their, their uh, place where they go for whatever care they need. That's kind of the motto let's let's keep the patient under one roof for their convenience and help us to control the continuum of care for better health care and we know that the the demand for rural health care uh how you know there's uh, we've seen hospital closings in uh, extreme rural parts of oklahoma and it's good that uh, southern Plains could offer some some assistance for for rural parts of the state 
Yeah, it's unfortunate. Rural health, you know, it, it's hard to do without large populations. And of course, in Oklahoma, our health outcomes, I mean, we're still in the bottom 10, uh, you know, in the country as far as states health outcomes. And Oklahoma, because of its large rural populations, you know, there are people in western Oklahoma that have to drive two, two and a half hours to come to Southern Plains. Uh, we see people from out, you know, I joke about it all the time, driving to Clinton or driving to Elk City is like driving to Texas for me. I talk about how we Jackson and our uh, road trips for Chickasha uh, fight and chick football, but that's a reality for some of those folks in Fredericksburg and people that don't have access where they might have limited access to like the town doctor, uh, but they don't have specialty care. They don't have surgery centers. They don't have the things, chronic care management. Diabetes is very prevalent in our area. Of course, so is obesity. And along with that comes high blood pressure, hypertension. And those type of chronic illnesses aren't readily available in rural markets just because of the population. You know, those doctors need to go and practice where, where they have populations to work on. Um, so, yeah, you know, in the next three to five years in the United States, we're still set to see about 300 facilities in rural America close and shut down. Um, and so it's been great to have private ownership, uh, you know, really invested in, in the rural community here in Chigashe and Anadarko. Um, Paul's Valley and, uh, you know, and Lynn's done just a wonderful job changing our culture and bringing in new specialties that haven't been offered, you know, in this area to where people don't have to drive two and a half hours to have a cancer screen on their body. They can have that here, you know, with a dermatologist or, or pain management. Can you imagine waiting six to eight weeks to see a doctor up in the city for something that is a chronic pain that you literally can't get out of bed for? Um, so, you know, it's been really neat to see our health outcomes bettered uh, because of the care that our ownership and, and our CEO here, Lynn Lacefield, has put into our community through Southern Plains. And talk about uh, the justification of hiring physicians and all that, because it's, it's, it's not cheap. It's not cheap and it's a challenge, but I'm glad that you uh, you brought this up about rural health care. We're excited about a new partnership with, uh, with a group out of um, out of uh, Texas, who built a uh, 40 clinic rule program to meet the needs of primary to meet the needs of primary care, and uh, in doing so, uh, we feel like first second quarter of next year we'll see an, an uptick in not only recruiting to these markets, but uh, actually acquiring expanding Southern Plains footprint even more in 2022 to cover those baseline needs. As Hal said, for those who could not um, afford to or gain access to not just primary care and the initial ground level overall wellness care over and over again, but the uh, the access to some of our higher levels of diagnostic services and, and surgery ultimately. And um, I think that's going to solve some of that recruitment issue. The unfortunate thing is that it is expensive. And um, but yet when you find the right physician for the fit, um, it's worth it. It's worth it to, to have that person on board to be able to uh, meet the needs of our, our communities. And Hal, I know there's there are several companies out there that uh, I, I, MedRide is one, and there's a lot of companies that offer rides to folks in rural Oklahoma to uh, clinics like yours. Yes. You know, and that's something that we, that Lynn and I have discussed several times um, uh, of how we can better, you know, 
help that access uh, so we can better health outcomes. You know, I'm Choctaw, I'm a Native American, and, and so that's something that we did. We, we did a strategic agreement with IHS Indian Health System in the state of Oklahoma, which allowed them access because you're right, George, there are companies out there, uh, but people don't know about them. So, so spreading that awareness, and, and though they're still very limited. So we had people, uh, again, in Clinton and in Lawton, um, outside in outlier communities that were Native American that weren't seeking that care because they couldn't get a ride. I mean, if you think about it, you know, it's a large poverty um population and and so you're asking somebody to take a day off work to drive you to get that care so now you've got two people out of that community not working and that's detrimental to some families uh, uh, where they're at so you're right there are a few there are some right here in Grady County that do a wonderful job and and help out Caddo too yeah yeah, and Caddo too the Washita Transit they do a great job I see them every day at our facility Kiowa Tribe does they have like Kiowa Tribe Mm -hmm. does have um, and, and you know and we work alongside with them I met with their, their tribal leader several several years back they do a wonderful job them uh, the Delaware uh, everybody over in Anadarko you know they really care for their populations um, but even when you care for populations it's hard to motivate people to seek care which it sounds so weird uh, because you know it, it, your health is your number one asset that you have uh, but, you know, especially during COVID, we just saw people not want to go. You know, they, they, they were afraid to get out or they didn't have the money um, to, to access that care. Uh, so, yeah, there, there are a lot of things that we can do to better that. It's just uh, it's hard to get there. And I think Southern Plains and Lynn, uh, the way that he empowers his leaders, uh, we have a lot of people that go above and beyond at Southern Plains to ensure care. You know, we talk about Corey Couch. I mean, my goodness, this kid, you know, is a Chickasha hometown hero, and, and he, he'd break his own back to get somebody to the labs. He, he's literally driven out to people's homes in, in Chickasha community to do PCR COVID tests, bring them back on the weekends when we're closed. So, you know, we've done a great job of fostering that culture uh, at Southern Plains. And, you know, those are the little things. We can't go out and buy limos for everybody to get them there, and we can't go and buy vans or buses, but we'll do everything we can to meet that patient's needs for sure. Yeah, and one of the things that we're incorporating more and more in 2022 is telehealth visits and how we can wrap that around follow-ups and diagnostics every other time a patient needs to be seen. But we can address those urgent needs instead of them leaving their home. They can do a televisit, which really comes in about four ways now. You can text, email, video visit, or oral visit. You can just call in. And these are all reimbursed by insurance companies recognizing that due to the COVID crisis, not everybody wants to go out but they do need care. So I think you're going to see telehealth and the Southern Plains Medical Center model increase significantly in 2022. Yeah, definitely been a boon. And uh, yes. folks who maybe didn't have a computer or didn't know how to use their computer now have uh, have those that knowledge available and for sure real easy to do. So. Yeah, ask their fifth grader or their granddaughter. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, Lynn and I have had some really cool meetings with diagnostic companies, as he was saying, that – that can attach to those telemedicine, right? So we can run DME, durable medical equipment, or we can run diagnostic tools to a person's home um, and have those to where they can do televisits. We can come out, do the diagnostics. We do the labs in-house. You know, that's another great benefit of Southern Plains. We have all that in-house. We have a full Cleocola certified high-complexity laboratory. We've got a full-scope imaging center, so open MRI, bone density, digital X-ray, ultrasound. And we've talked to people 
people that, you know, mobile ultrasound's a thing. Um, and so we can go mobile x-ray, digital x-ray, that's a thing. And so we can better those health outcomes and telemedicine is just going to become more and more prevalent. And, you know, fortunately, we were, we were one of the first uh, in the state of Oklahoma to really jump into that space and develop their own network. And uh, it's working pretty well. You know, we, I would love to see a little bit of an uptick in that. But again, it's more spreading the awareness that people have that ability, um, you know, as opposed to driving and waiting. Right. Uh, but uh, nothing beats an in-person visit with your doctor. You know what? That's critically important to a good pop part of our population. But when you can't get out, mm-hmm. um, one of the things that we'll be incorporating more and more in the in the in the new year is remote remote, remote patient monitoring (RPM). That's a really big uh, uprising in uh, in healthcare because oftentimes when you come to the doctor and they take your blood pressure, that's a one minute instance of what your blood pressure is where. If we can put a uh, monitor on you and it registers through a 24-hour period, that registry through Bluetooth comes back to the medical record and the physician can look at that. We can do weight. We can do diabetes. We can do cardiac uh, uh, signs. So the remote remote patient monitoring is something you're going to see utilized in all healthcare systems, not just ours, but particularly ours, moving into first quarter of 2022. So we have a better idea of a more specific and more validated um, outcome for the patient. And then if they need to come in, if it's an emergency or if they just need to come in and do a follow-up, then it's not as inconvenient if they can come in one or two times a year, but really maybe have four or five visits with in the interim, have a video visit or a oral visit, a phone call, plus remote patient monitoring for a number of different reasons, all supported by payers. Um, and so we're, we're really trying to, we're bringing out a bigger playbook. Let me just say that in 2022. So we're excited about that because it what it does is reduce hospitalization, which is mandated by insurance companies, and rehospitalizations, while all in all dealing with the patient's overall well-being, not just that one thing that they come to the doctor for every 90 days. And how, so does it, was it something you little monitor that attaches to their arm or something? Yeah, just, it's just uh, a real simple um, device that would attach either to their arm. We have scales. We have uh, little EKG leads. All of it's Bluetooth. So as long as they've got their cell phone there, it'll hit their cell phone and and ping right back to Southern Plains and medical records. So remote patient monitoring is a way to bridge the gap from the physicality of having a patient have to come in repeatedly when we really want to know what's going on 24 hours, not that one minute. Technology is just growing by leaps and bounds in all fields, but certainly the medical area, Hal, with with these new innovations. No, absolutely. You know, and in our area, uh, cardiac problems and diabetes are top two comorbidities that, you know, I mean, I would say seven out of 10 people walking into our clinics have one, if not both of those issues. And so when you're able to monitor those using new technology, along with the telemedicine, we're just going to increase those health outcomes and not inconvenience our patients, you know, and I, and you say inconvenience, it really shouldn't be because again, it's healthcare and you need to have those checkups. I mean, you know, things, like diabetes can really leap and escalate very quickly. I mean, you go two to three months, you know, and and without alarming things can happen. So yeah, the new technology and the ability to do remote patient monitoring with uh, the ability to also do telemedicine, it's definitely going to help Oklahoma and its uh, rural areas. You know, uh, Hal, you bring up a good point. As I think about this, after 40 years, no one comes to the doctors because they don't want to go to the mall. 
they come to the doctor by virtue of necessity or need. Yeah. So we have to create a new delivery model in healthcare moving into 2022 and beyond that meets the patient's need without inconveniencing them because they want to be treated. They just don't want to have to come to the, quote, doctor every time they need help. And the technology, as you mentioned, George, it's out there. We have to embrace that. And part of that is when they come, they have to have an experience. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. Everybody wants an experience. Absolutely. And, you know, if I come to the physician's office and I'm impressed with how I'm greeted, how I'm treated, how I'm uh, respected, how, uh, how the process goes and how the follow-up is, you know, that's an experience. And so they naturally feel better. Their endorphins kick off. They feel better. So if you can wrap that around the technology of patients who have, as you mentioned, how comorbidities, which are most of us, you know, you don't have diabetes and no other comorbidity, right? You have either obesity, high blood pressure, bilateral neuropathy. I mean, we don't deal with just one thing. We may deal with tall or short. That's about (laughs) it. We can't change that. But when you look at remote remote patient monitoring, you look at facilities um, capable of managing most diagnostics, accessibility, it it adds to an overall picture. And I think really that's what we're trying to do. In fact, we're looking at a pretty significant plant property overhaul next in the first quarter next year. New floors, new paint. We want to make sure that when a patient comes to us or calls to us, that it's almost a boutique, um, uh, more of a personal touch. And um, uh, we feel like you go to the helps. doctor without feeling like you're in a doctor's office, basically. Right, yeah. right. Exactly. Or, or um, right, exactly. So appearance is, is, is a lot of things. You know, you can overcome appearance. But the truth is, if you've got great care and you've got um, and you've got a facility that feels good and feels appropriate, I guess. And so we're, uh, you know, 106 years, we, we're probably due for a facelift yeah. <laughs> and uh, some other things. But we're really excited about it. You know, we're looking at ENT, you know, an ENT for children. Ear, nose, and throat. Uh, ear, nose, and throat. I mean, it's it's not in the market. Um, a significant um, OBGYN presence. I know uh, Grady's system has one that comes and goes. We have one that comes and goes. But, you know, there are thousands and thousands of, of women um, in southwest Oklahoma and in our county, they have to drive through here yeah. to get care. We should not let them drive through here, uh, that we should stop here. We should be a destination for health care between the hospital and Southern Plains that people know they can come for great care and great follow-up. So we're excited about what's going to happen in 2022. It's kind of a fresh start in a different way. You know, we built the hospitals, and now we're, now we're uh, in process um, – of opening up our amateur surgery center in the next few weeks. And, you know, that's great news. Yeah, yeah. that's super great news. Uh, seven years ago, I walked through the halls of Southern Plains and uh, I opened the door to this 4,000 square foot uh, surgery center that had uh, white sheets on it and cobwebs. I didn't know if it was Halloween or what was going on. Found out it was closed about 10 years before that for reasons I couldn't tell. So, yeah, I put that on my bucket list, and uh, we're so excited about opening up a brand-new, remodeled 4,000-square-foot 2OR. We'll be doing colonoscopies, uh, orthopedic uh, processes. We've got uh, eyes, pain, uh, urology. We're probably going to be able to manage nearly 87% of all surgeries on an outpatient basis where patients can come in and go out. Now, the nice thing about that is an ambulatory surgery fee schedule is lower than traditional hospital fee schedules, and there's no associated overnight stay unless there's an anomaly, and then we have a relationship with Keene and do a transfer to that so they can be cared for at the appropriate level, which we're, we're not that way. But, you know, all healthcare systems and payers are pushing towards 
an ambulatory surgery center for the majority of surgeries. It's just too expensive to do in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, used to what, women used to spend three or four days in the hospital for having a baby. Think right? about it now. They yeah. have it in the parking lot. They wind them <laughs> and send them out the door. No, it's exactly right. Because uh, the driving force of that is coverage. Mm-hmm. You run out of coverage at 1 o'clock in the morning, you better be calling your husband because you're on the curbside with your new baby, yeah, right? Yeah. And it's unfortunate because we've taken our mind off of patient care and put our mind on business where we tried to reverse that. You know, it's like build it and they'll come. You know, field of dreams. We should be about the business of healthcare and focusing on all the patient's needs on an outpatient basis, seeing what we can do, and refer them to an inpatient facility when necessary, which is a lot less today than it used to be because of what you said, George, and that's, that's AI or that's technology mm-hmm. that's among us. And in all this, Hal, we, we, we want to... You know, people that are ill and hurting need to go to the doctor. Yeah. But I know healthcare is really wanting people to be more proactive yes. about their health and, you know, get, uh, what, a checkup every uh, six months or so, sick or not. You know, you never know when that initial checkup is going to find diabetes or high blood pressure or for other sure. things that are just, you mm-hmm. know, you feel fine. Otherwise, mm-hmm. uh, for sure. some of these uh, conditions need to be treated. They do. And, and you know, it all kind of ties in together. The new technology, um, the insurers, kind of that new health path uh, is all to better health outcomes. But, you know, if you think about it, we have the two most reasons people go to the emergency room in Grady County is a upper respiratory infection, which can be treated through telemedicine and through your pharmacy, right? So you call in telemedicine, they tell you, oh, that's upper respiratory. Maybe you have to do a lab, uh, which we can send for. You can come in and do that right there. Uh, but that wastes medical dollars for our hospital. So, you know, the tax money that goes to them, we're wasting money because they're not getting reimbursed for that care um, because it was a medically unnecessary visit. So insurers are trying to align that up to the proper place of care, and that's in an outpatient setting. So Medicare and Medicaid can save those health care dollars for when people actually have a heart attack and they have to go to the hospital, they have to go to the emergency room. And, and then plus, you know, you, you've got... 10, 20 people in a waiting room that are waiting unnecessarily there for the ER doctor when somebody just got in a car accident and needs to be rushed in now. So yeah, it's, it's very important that it all kind of ties in the technology, the remote patient monitoring, um, and just bettering Oklahoma's health outcomes and pointing and going to the right place of care the first time is the best way to do that. And like Lynn said, now with uh, technology, hospitalization rate for surgeries, I mean, uh, Dr. Keith Smith runs the Oklahoma Surgery uh, Center in uh, Oklahoma City, and he's been doing a cash pay, a cash pay model for years um, in an outpatient setting. And what we, we visited him four years ago when we were developing our own program, Health Pass Plus, and he said at that point he could do 85% of all surgeries in an outpatient model because that's the technology has gotten such and, this, and the surgeons have gotten to a point where you don't have to be hospitalized. Um, And then that's more medical dollars that the government has to disperse elsewhere. And so by creating these outpatient centers of excellence or these ambulatory surgery centers, you know, the government's going to be able to keep more rural facilities open. They're going to better that access as long as we can stop wasting those medical dollars on things like urinary tract infection, which is number two here in Grady County of why people go to the ER, which again is a telemedicine visit and a pharmacy 
visit. You're exactly right, Hal. I think what you're trying to say is we're balancing the federal budget by addressing yeah. patient issues before they get serious. It's sad, but yeah, I mean, that's that's really what it boils down to. But it also, it, it is the proper place of care, um, and that will save ER doctors' time, um, efforts. It will, you know, so yeah, I mean, it, it is, a, you know, it's a business at, the, at one end, but going to that proper point of care, you'll get better access. You'll be seen more. That ER doctor can't see you the next day for a checkup. That's not what he's there for. He's there to save your life. And then he directs you to another place of care. Well, if you start in the proper place of care, now you've got that primary care provider. And in our case, you've got a 22 medical specialties in the same building that can reach out an outpatient model to where we're not wasting those medical dollars. Hal, thanks for coming in today. We thanks, really appreciate George. it. Hal Brock and Lynn Lacefield, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Uh, from the Southern Plains Medical Group, locations in Chickasha, Anadarko, and Paul's Valley, our guest on our program today.